This episode of The Matt Report is brought to you by SearchWP. Find SearchWP at searchwp.com. Let's talk about the power of their metrics add-on for a moment. Since I redesigned The Matt Report website, I put search front and center on my homepage. Why? SearchWP metrics! Metrics give me the inside data to what visitors on my site are looking for. I love the graphs and the actionable advice that it provides me. I can make informed decisions to create new content or optimize existing content that my audience is searching for. Remember when Google gave you all of that search data? Yeah, it was great. Back then, way back then, when they gave it to us. They don't give it to us anymore. Put on-site search front and center for your visitors. Get that data back. Get SearchWP at searchwp.com along with their metrics add-on. That's searchwp.com. Thanks for supporting the show. Want to save 35% on iThemes security plugins? Use code MATREPORT at iThemes.com slash security. That's iThemes.com slash security. Keeping WordPress sites secure is no easy task, and the one that you can't always just leave up to your web host. If you're an agency owner, there's nothing worse than getting that call from a client saying they have spam links dropped into their footer or thousands of registered spam users in their WordPress site. Or how about the server crashing because of bots or hidden processes running in a rogue plugin? Put that superhero cape away. You don't have to be the wonder security woman for every single client. Leave that up to the pros. Leave it up to iThemes security plugin. Save 35% on iThemes security plugin. Use code MATREPORT at iThemes.com slash security. That's code MATREPORT at iThemes.com slash security for 35% off your purchase Thanks for supporting the show. Curiosity. Curiosity is what the no-code movement has reignited for me. When I think back to my days of using Drupal 5 with powerful combinations of CCK and views modules, two things come to mind. Why the heck doesn't WordPress do this natively yet some 20 years later? And number two, what are my opportunities with no-code tools and WordPress? Powerful tools that create seemingly limitless opportunities are fascinating to not only me, but also for today's guest. He doesn't consider himself a developer, but carries a wide range of ideas that come to life with software building tools like Bubble.io. For example, when COVID hit, he saw an opportunity to build a portal to help parents discover activities for their children locked down at home. He built it, and visitors like his brother loved it. But like all great entrepreneurs, he pivoted taking the lessons of app creation with him. He's now blazing a path for content creators in the newsletter space to help monetize their work. Building Hecto.io is a fascinating story coupled with a solid business opportunity. I'm excited to share Simon's story with you today. Please reach out to him and say thanks for joining the show. No code, low code, visual development, however you want to kind of term it, essentially I think it's a really exciting space at the moment. As you said, with WordPress about 20 years ago, that was the kind of equivalent of no code. You had your various templates, etc. The difference here at the moment is that the tools that we have now, so such as Webflow and also Bubble, with with particularly with Bubble, you've, we've got so much power behind the actual tool itself, and then there's a low amount of code that's required. So the excitement there is actually as you kind of learn it and as you get deeper into it you start to realize and understand more about what the possibilities are so that's kind of where the tweet started to kind of come from where it's like actually is it like this term doesn't really kind of say what 
it actually is. It doesn't really mm-hmm. do it justice, right? Like with, with this kind of no code, and I say it with inverted commas, with no, there's so much that you can do. And realistically, sometimes you do need to use a little bit of code, but it's very much, it's very much kind of visual. Like the, the, the way that you're interacting with it is visual. And that's, that's the kind of, that's the, the kind of key to how powerful it can be because you yeah. can explore so many different things. I think that's, yeah. that's, that's the exciting thing for me about this space. Do you consider yourself a developer or a designer or neither? Like wh- where do you fit in this web technology definition? Yeah, that's a good, interesting question. I think, I think the only answer is that all of it, because you have to have a little bit of everything. And that's mm-hmm. what these no code, low code tools are given the space for people like me who, who, yeah. who can do a little bit of everything. When I, I'm trying to marry this space of, of WordPress and no code to open up my audience to some of the tools that are out there. Within the last couple of days, the, the episode that went out today, which is two weeks in the past when this episode goes out, <laughs> was all about this, this recent price change in a, a WordPress page builder tool called Elementor. It's one of the most popular page builders for WordPress, 5 million plus active installs. Don't know if you've ever come across it, but they just recently did this this price hike. And of course, the WordPress users out there, they're like, wait a minute, you're going to charge me more money now? Like, <laughs> like, I can't believe you're doing that. And because I've been in this space and I've had other guests on who've, who've used uh, Webflow as part of this no-code movement, I've looked at the pricing of Webflow and I was like, hey guys, what Elementor is charging is peanuts compared to what Webflow charges people. And people love Webflow. Yeah. Yeah. What's your thought on the the power aside? I think re- the reason why people choose WordPress, at least in my in the circles that I run in, is because they own it. They own the data. They own the code. Yeah. They can own where they host it. What are your thoughts on like a Webflow where well it's it's there. I can't do anything with it. Like Bubble, I can't take this and move it to another Bubble hosting provider. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, to, to be honest, that, that is a good point. I think it's a difficult it's a difficult space to be in. So I think with with Bubble, so that's what I use. So with Bubble, the way that they position themselves in the very beginning, so I've been on Bubble since like 2018. In the very beginning, they were marketing themselves as a, a kind of platform or a way that you can build your MVP. So the, the kind of perspective that you always had was that you're not going to stay on there, but you could probably extract your data and, and then rebuild it in a in a better way. But I think that as bubbles become more powerful, same as Webflow, the, 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 the thought of leaving the platform itself, it starts to kind of diminish. And then you start to kind of walk into this problem that you've just described. But I think it's, it's, it's a really difficult kind of place to be because without the tools, you wouldn't get to the place where you're trying to get to, right? So it's almost like, not that you owe anything, but you know, through the platform, you you get the opportunity to have a business which pays the bills, etc. The problem is if you know prices were really to skyrocket in bubble, it hasn't from what I've seen. But again, you're out of control, so it's again, it's a really difficult space and, and really yeah. good question. I saw somebody before we hopped on, as I do on on Twitter, and they were complaining that Notion was down. I've lost everything on Notion. Or I have no access to it, which is everything in my job, my sales pitches, like all these things. So then he was coming up with like, as all marketers do, they start making a tweet thread and they're like, I'm going to start splitting off some of it to like GitHub and like do this. Over here. I'm like, what is going on? Just take the day off. How about that? Just take the day off. Let's just settle on that. We all know what we've gotten into. It's, it's a platform for everything. And if it goes down, this is the trade-off. Exactly. Yeah, I, t- yeah I, t- I totally agree with that. I mean, realistically, so f- back in 2018, like before I got into Bubble, 
I had ideas galore, right? So I'm thinking, oh, maybe I could do this, maybe I could do that. Realistically, at the end of the day, there, I don't code, right? So there was no way for me to get the ideas out. The fact that the platform is here is kind of part and parcel of you signing up. You get to get your ideas out. You get to, to make money in exchange for you being on a platform. It's, it's kind of a bit of a shrug shoulders moment. Yeah. It's, it's difficult, but it's, it allows you to get where you want to get to. There's value in that too, right? So totally. in in the WordPress world, we're very used to, well, again, like this conversation that's happening around Elementor, the, the, the good part of WordPress, hey, I can go to get a million plugins to do everything I need it to do. I can find WooCommerce for digital e-commerce. I can find Elementor to build my site. I can find Gravity Forms to do really complex form and data input. And the negative side of all that is that I have all of that choice. Whereas with a bubble, a web flow, there's value in saying, okay, there's a team here. There's a direction it's going in. When I first heard no code, low code, I was like, I cracked my knuckles. I'm like, okay, this is going to be easy. Right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I did the same yeah, thing. I, yeah. I, when I heard bubble on another podcast, I was like, wait a minute, I can design a web app without touching code yeah. in a visual editor. Yeah. Well, surely if I can do WordPress, I can do this. <laughs> and then yeah. I got into it. I was like, oh man, I got to really sit down and learn this too. So to give ourselves a fair shake like you got to be a little intuitive to get used to bubble have you felt that same way yeah 100 percent. so again like when i first started i think that there was the excitement which kind of got me through the kind of first couple of steps of, of making a website because the first couple of months it was just baffling the learning curve is notoriously way steeper than any other tool, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> but but equally, it has the power behind it. So again, kind of harking back to 2018, I, I made different projects. I made a tool where you could translate words from, from Spanish to English, English to Spanish, whatever, as you're reading. I've created a site where we had like GIFs that were showing up for kind of for, for phrasal verbs, which was a, a difficult thing for people to learn in Spain. I used to live out there. And then I built a different project where I was kind of showing different activities for, for parents where, when they're kind of trapped indoors with kids, which was basically what was happening with my brother at the time. But, you know, so we so built loads of different things and you have to kind of build up your muscle, essentially. It's just like, coding in that sense. It's not just pick up and play and, and build these amazing things. There is this kind of steep learning curve. And what I'd say is that now that I've got to, to the point where I'm building Hecto, I mean, some of the things that I now know that are possible with Bubble are, are just incredible. And, and equally, having done those smaller projects to get to the point to build Hecto, when I had a thought in my mind about what I wanted to do, I could execute on it. So, yeah. so it is a steep learning curve, but the power is there in the long run. I want to talk about that pivot that you made because we talked about this in our pre-interview from what I'll just call the parenting app to to Hecto. Where do these ideas come from for you? <laughs> like, I, I know for me, I'm just like walking down the street and suddenly I'm like, oh yeah, like I can build this radar app to like <laughs> control drones. Wouldn't that be cool? Right? Yeah. And then, like, where do they come from for you? And then what do you do with them to manage that? that yeah, impulse point, to yeah. register a domain. Well, I still got plenty of that, is for sure. <laughs> the ideas, just generally, just like you said, just, just walking down the road, sometimes I'm just reading things. The, w more times than not, my ideas come from, 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 from people and my interactions with people. You kind of get like a bit of a signal when people start complaining about something. That for me is the, a clear sign that there's an actual pain point. When I was doing this, this website around activities for kids, 
that's basically what a lot of people were saying. Just like, what can I do? It's day 30 and I don't know what else I can do with these kids. So yeah, I do get ideas all the time. I, I originally started to write them down in a Trello board which I think is actually just overkill because the amount of ideas that I get, <laughs> there's no point in trying to organize them in what's coming up next, what should I try next? I've just got tons of ideas. Instead, I've literally got a Google Keep and I write down every single idea and I keep and I keep going over them and I look over and think, maybe that's the next one, maybe that's the next one, and I star them. That, that is it. I've just got to keep it simple these days rather than using kind of Trello tools or Notion or tables or anything like that. It's literally a list and... I'd had this idea for Hecto a long time ago, yeah, probably like 2019, but I didn't pursue it, didn't think I could. But through my kind of work with the, the, the kind of parenting website and then understanding that there could be a, a possible uh, opportunity in the newsletter space, I, I decided to pick it back up. I want to. I'm going to push that aside one more time because I want to go a little bit deeper, and I'll I'll paint. I'll illustrate the picture from. How, I don't know how old you are. You don't have a lot of gray hair like I, <laughs> like I, like I do. But I started in like right on the cusp of the consumer web. So I am going to be 40 this year, and I really started playing with the internet and and things like that when it became consumer available back in like '97. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember solving things. Like, I don't know, built my own Linux server. And when I was in college, we had this crossover of business course meets, I think it was just called like IT at the time. And they were like, solve a business problem with something that you're learning in Linux and open source. And there was PHP bulletin board, which is PHP BB. And I was, wouldn't it be cool if, and I, my family ran car dealerships over here in, in the US. Nice. Wouldn't it be cool if a customer could leave us a message on a bulletin board to say they wanted to get an oil change. <laughs> it was yeah. like 20 years ago, yeah. right? 22 years ago, something like that. And yeah. they looked at me like, who the hell is going to do that? <laughs> like, who is going to go on a computer <laughs> to message somebody about an oil change? And it was just this fascination of this new technology appearing and me being able to say, I think I can solve something with that. Like, I think I can solve a problem. And that was the fun part for me. Where did where do you think you get it from? Is it a similar situation or? Yeah, you know what? That's yeah. That's this good. That's a good question. So for me, literally, so my 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 dad used to bring back computers, old computers from his office, essentially. And I remember that he brought back a computer, and it had like an actual floppy disk. Like the floppy yeah. disks that we call floppy disks are actually hard, right? This right. was an actual. Like it was floppy. Okay, so like we're close vinyl. in the same age. <laughs> this is the kind of thing he was bringing back. Yeah, I'm 30, yeah. I'm 34, 35 okay. soon. So yeah, so he was bringing back these kind of bits of technology. And for me, it was absolutely fascinating. So like I could go through, like, I remember when it was MS-DOS MS uh, mm -hmm. 3.1 came on. Me and my brother used to play the little, like there's like a game called uh, Free Ski or Ski Free or something like that. There was all sorts of things coming through. My dad always used to feed us with this new technology. So throughout my childhood i always kind of always used to tinker about with computers and wanting to know how things worked and then i studied engineering at university and it's just the kind of the way that my mind works anyway so yeah essentially with my dad bringing this kind of new technology and the way that my brain works in terms of breaking things apart how does it work i've always felt drawn to this space anyway and Going back to the no-code space, this is such an exciting period because the, the barriers for, for exploring this further, your example was somebody doing an oil change on a, a bulletin board, but it's the same thing again of how cool would it be if you could 
Right. But now we've got the tools to think like yeah. really far ahead. Yeah. So yeah, it's an exciting space. And yeah, just, just through my dad, through the engineering course, that's the way that this has all come together for me. Yeah. I remember my dad had a had a laptop that had a printer built into it. <laughs> it was it was the funniest. I mean, go. looking back on it, it was hilarious. <laughs> he had a single sheet of paper underneath the, the keyboard. Computer. You have all these ideas. COVID hits. You see this idea that you can solve with your brother, but then you eventually come upon Hecto. Tell me, give us that I moment like. of that crossing over that bridge. What, how did you get to the point of ending that parenting app and then moving over to the newsletter? So the, the original project was uh, rainydaykids.co. Definitely go check it out. So essentially what I wanted to build there was was directory where you could kind of filter through all the different types of activities that you could do with kids. If it was a free Spanish course that Rosetta Stone is doing, there's there's a link to that, or you can search and find that. If there was something to do with painting stones for younger kids, or if there's help with homework for older kids, I just wanted to build something that was a directory to help everybody who had kids and was kind of struggling with what to do with them on day 60 or day 90 of this kind of lockdown. <laughs> day 300. <laughs> yeah. So in building that, it got to the point where I was definitely adding, you know, things and items to, to the website. And I, f I felt like speaking to my brother for sure, he didn't really have time to go just, you know, surfing on the net to go see what, what type of things he could do with his kids. If anything, it would be more easy it would be easier if he had a newsletter or an email that just said hey you've got kids who are this age these are the latest activities that you could do and it would serve him and his kind of demographic a lot more because he just wouldn't have to do the searching and, and and spending the time so i set up a like a, a place where people can enter their email addresses and they can sign up for this newsletter and as i was doing that i felt like there was an opportunity actually to monetize the, the newsletter Right, you've got this cohort of, of parents, they've got kids, you know that for sure, and they, they're gonna spend they're gonna spend money. So if there's space in the newsletter, then by all means it would be a great opportunity to kind of give that out as ad ad space. So after that I started to think, hang on, so is there an opportunity, a bigger opportunity here? Because if I'm trying to do this and there's nothing out there that I can see that helps me to kind of connect myself with with businesses or brands or anything like that. Is anybody else having this issue as well? When I looked, there, there's, there's multiple newsletters in the same space. How do I monetize a newsletter? What, how many subscribers do I need before I can monetize? What should the price be? All those kind of things were really starting to crop up when, when I was kind of doing my research. And it felt like the kind of crossover was, was kind of felt very organic. So I decided to spin up uh, Hecto as a really, really kind of small version 1.0. It was basic, basic landing page. The principle was there. You, you had a couple of newsletters, not that, not that many signed up. And I launched it on, on Product Hunt. I think it was July or August in 2020. And to be honest, I got, I got you know, a decent amount of votes and people were just constantly saying, look, it's a great idea. And that for me was more of, the, the reason I did that was one, to kind of get get it out there and two, to get the validation. But people interested in doing something like this or signing up to something like this? And resoundingly, it's, it's, it was yes. So off the back of that, I felt I'm doing this on the side of a full-time job. So the likelihood of me maintaining two, two websites at the same time is just not going to happen. So there had to be a choice that, that was made. So the decision was to kind of follow up with Hecto. And I've been just been doing that ever since. 
You're a stronger man than I am because I would have tried to do both. <laughs> I would have kept going. I'm looking at rainydaykids.co right now, yeah. and your click-through rates or, or on-time measurements must be pretty high because I'm just like clicking through. I'm like, ooh, Disney kids, man. And then it's like, ooh, rainbow bread. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just like yeah. going through this. I'm like, wow, yeah. like oh, planting little seeds. And I'm like, yeah. oh, this is pretty cool. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, yeah, there's, there's still traffic going to that website. People still checking it out. But yeah, the, the click-through is you know, people going to see things and then click-through. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to read the, the tagline of, of Hecto on the homepage. Reach your target market through trusted newsletters. Hecto is a platform for businesses to manage and buy newsletter sponsorships. So newsletters come to you. They say, I have a, a newsletter about WordPress, about Webflow, about sports. And they put themselves in, in there. And then somebody who wants to buy that inventory knocks yeah. on your door, says, hey, I want to buy those WordPress and sports newsletters and then you take a cut, that's a 50,000 foot view. Of yeah, totally. I'll say is a marketplace play, right? You need to have that inventory, then you need to get the people there. What yeah. have been the, the, the biggest challenges for you this far into the game? Yeah, so um, the, the biggest challenge has initially was one, deciding which side you go for. So as you're right, you're, you're correct, it's absolutely a marketplace. The way I, I often describe it to my friends who are wondering, hey, what on earth is a newsletter? What's going on? What are you doing? Yeah. The, the way I describe it to other people is that it's essentially I'm building Airbnb for newsletter ad spaces, right? So people can kind of sign up and they can have a page where people can then kind of say, I want this date for this price and I'm happy to pay. Is that okay? Yes, you accept it or you reject it. So yeah, that, that's that's the kind of the, the the way that you know I've I've always wanted it to to work, and that's what I'm building towards. The biggest the biggest struggle, I guess, to hurdle to get over was the, the attraction in the in 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 the first place, right? When there's a website with not that many newsletters, there's not that many newsletters who originally would want to sign up, and it's always that kind of uh, network effects that you're trying to that flywheel that you're always trying to spark off. So in order to kind of, you know, get around that, there's been times when I've, you know, really had to kind of speak directly to newsletters, newsletter creators, and actually just reach out to them directly and speak to them, build relationships, because you you can't really do this unless you do that. Like this marketplace play, as you say, is actually about relationships, really. And, yeah. and getting that spark and that, and that kind of energy and, and, and getting people on board so that they can understand what it is that you're trying to do, what the vision is, and they, and, they, and they come on board and that makes it kind of move quicker and easier. So that was the kind yeah. of the, the, the main problem for me at the very start, but that's not, that's not so much of a problem anymore. I just clicked on the search to just take a look at the different newsletters. I mean, it's a fantastic variety uh, mm. of newsletters that you can choose from, right? So there's like developer sort of, mm-hmm. sort of focus right there. I scroll down a little bit more. There is, I saw one with a guitar, a guitar pick, which I'm assuming guitar lesson newsletter, all kinds of different types of, of content to choose from. I love this business model for many reasons, but for one, which is not the sexiest part of it, <laughs> I'd say, or, or the biggest benefit to you, but any product or service or initiative like this that's trying to put the power back into the creators is something yeah. that I'm really interested in. I'm very much into podcasting, and Joe Rogan goes to Spotify, and the world you know, goes nuts because there's people that are diehard podcasters and like, oh, look, it's going to be behind this, this walled garden of Spotify. And I can, I can definitely see that argument. Hey, Joe Rogan's getting paid. Good for him. He's a creator. He's getting paid. 
celebrity status, so it's big money and everybody goes yeah. nuts. I get it. But things like even Substack or these other platforms, YouTube, right? I'm a YouTuber and every every month I see my advertisement revenue go down because YouTube's taking a bigger cut. <laughs> or these yeah. other platforms who are like, come to our platform and, and as a creator and make a bunch of money and then before it's like a year yeah. later and they're like, oh, guess what? We're not giving you money. Anymore. It's all for us. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, what the hell is going on? Like, we're creating the content here. Yeah. So anything that puts the power back into to the direct relationship to the creator, to the advertiser, gets a hat, hats off, applause in my book. Yeah, to, to be honest, that, that you've, you've nailed it. You've nailed it completely. So for, for me, the vision with Hecto is, is exactly that, to kind of put the, put the power back in the hands of the creators, but equally to expand this space. So like you said, you've got Joe Rogans and you've got these kind of big power play kind of celebrities, I guess, on the different platforms who rake in the money, right? They're, they're making a, a, a lot of money and, and particularly in the newsletter space, you've got people who, you know, who, who get other kind of people to, to pay per month to receive the newsletter. Not everybody has that pulling power. And sometimes that's not the, that's not the monetize, monetization technique that people want to use because essentially mm-hmm. it, it it reduces your distribution if you if you go that way, right? So for other people who want to either diversify their monetization or, or, or don't want to go down the road of kind of paid newsletters or, or can't for any reason, what I want to do with, with Hecto is, is build a, a place where they can, you know, still earn money and, and earn good money enough to like not have a job or whatnot. But, but still be in control of those of those sponsorships when they are how much it is you could grow uh, you can grow your your kind of sponsorship rates through the platform depending on how much incoming interest you get if, if your inventory is looking like it's getting booked out for the next you know month or so the next month you, you can easily put the prices up on Hector it's, it's, it's not an issue you can play around with the prices see what your price point is that's that's the kind of reason why i'm building this it's it's to allow other people who are creators to have that control and to grow and to and to kind of get a bigger opportunity to to take home money off the back of their creations you must have people telling you it would be great if you had this feature or if it did that or if we did this or can I make it connect right to my MailChimp account or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like how have you been managing that and has it been a big surprise and something that you thought was kind of just a throwaway feature but people are like, no, I really love this. Yeah, so where I've been managing that, so this has definitely come from, so first and foremost, this this happens a lot. I'm speaking with creators a lot and when they come on the platform, sometimes they, they, they want to ask a couple of questions and I clarify things for them and and later on, they'll ask me to, would it be great? It would be great if we could X, Y, and Z. So in, in order to manage that, I've actually got a backlog. So kind of product manager by, by, by trade. So I've got a backlog of features and I've got it across a timeline, to be quite honest. So that scares you every time you open it. You're like, oh God, <laughs> yeah. I'm never going to get to this. Yeah, basically. So I've, I've actually got it kind of timelined out and scoped out and, and prioritized only for the fact that as a side project, you need to understand the time that you do have. And also it, it kind of motivates you more to actually get it done. So if I didn't have like a backlog and a plan, f- for me, I know that I'd kind of faff 
and, 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 and mess around. It'd be come to the end of the day and I think, I'm tired, I'm knackered, where's the beer? I want to go yep. and sit down watching TV, right? But if I know what I'm building towards, which I, I do, and I've prioritized these requests, that's the, that, that for me is, is a lot more motivating to get it, get it over the line. In terms of kind of the feature requests that I've, that I've had in, I think you may have seen it on Twitter, but one thing was that somebody's just asking, look, can, can we get an inventory, essentially a way to state what, what dates certain ads are available and state what the price is for that date so, so that they can kind of manage that through Hector. So I built that. It wasn't it wasn't that straightforward to be quite honest, but it, I built it and it's it's gone down, gone down a treat to be honest. It's 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 intuitive and it's it's easy to use, but it's really really effective and, and powerful. It just means that both sides can be extra transparent to, to each other and say what's available and what's not. And and then the 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 other feature that I've I've created very recently is that. So so any other platform that's trying to do this at the moment, you would have to kind of pay. If I was a business, you'd have to pay the uh, the newsletter creator and then hope that they they've already accepted or that the copy's fine, etc. And they're they're comfortable that your business is something they're going to show to their to their audience. And if not, then the the creator would have to you know send refunds or whatnot. What I've built off the back of conversations with different uh, users is I've built the ability to just reject accept or reject any kind of order, just like you would on on Airbnb. So the payment does get taken. So the payment gets taken and the, the, that someone's not messing around, they're good for the money, but you just need to decide, are you taking them or not? And you can reject it quite quite easily. That was something that was uh, requested by one of the users that they just said that they didn't like being a, people being able to just buy a, a newsletter, newslet, an ad slot just willy-nilly because sometimes yeah. they don't really fit. So built that and that's, that's going down well as well. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I'd imagine that, yeah, if you're, it's a, whatever i don't know you're you're a guitar newsletter like we saw before but then i don't know mcdonald's comes along and they're like hey we just want to buy this spot and you're just like oh, yeah you're selling yeah. burgers on a on a guitar it's probably not gonna really work or something like that yeah exactly so that's yeah. cool what about the have you run into i guess the the crux of a small creator as much as i love small creators i also know how difficult it is to continue to create stuff and sometimes <laughs> that newsletter that you said goes out every sunday yeah, it goes out on Tuesday instead, or maybe you miss a week or something like that. Is there any kind of uh, trigger or stopgap for those types of things? That's that's what I'd be concerned of as an advertiser, I guess. Did my ad go out on that newsletter? Yeah, that's a, that's that, that, that's a good point. So the way that Hector works is that it's a direct it's a, it's, it's a direct relationship. So the 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 businesses and the people who are buying those ads. Just as if as if Hector wasn't there, and if they had to reach out directly to the to the newsletter creator, they they have that kind of that relationship to agree that hey, look, once it's been sent out, then I'm going to send you your clicks. I'm going to show you what the clicks were through my email service provider, and kind of follow up and say this is what this is what you got for the money, essentially. Yeah. So it it is managed as a relationship between and directly through the newsletter creator and the business. Yeah. Well, it's, look, it's going to be easy. Here's what I want you to build. Okay. <laughs> you, just build, you just build every newsletter creator can throw in a Hecto email. The Hecto email goes out, crawls their newsletter, takes a screen grab of it, puts it in their profile automatically. And then you can see, a gallery, of, yeah, <laughs> you can see a gallery of all their emails right in a click. I mean, it's, yeah. it, should, it should be easy. There's, there's a powerful platform that can do that. Do you have any opinions on newsletters and email versus 
a social media site. People come to me all the time. They say, especially in my local area where I do a lot of mentoring, where do I put all my content? I'm going to just do an Instagram account and I'm just going to, that's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to take photos. I'm going to just chat with people there. And I'm like, you got to build an email list. Do you have any thoughts on email being like the last bastion of hope for owning an audience? Yeah. Yeah. To, 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 to be honest, I think it's, I think it's just deeply underrated, right? Like the, the, it's it's a it's a really strange thing where it, it's almost like the last thing that people think about in the, in an age. So it used to be that blogging was was the, was the way forward, and you had various WordPress sites, etc. There's a kind of new newsletter age at the moment, which I think is the, the the right way to go. Obviously, I might be biased, but but you've got kind of social media uh, influencers who who don't really have like a way to kind of gather people's email addresses and things like that. I I do think that the email addresses and building your building your list is just important for the longevity of whatever it is that you're doing across different businesses so you so i've built various things in my past right but i've collected email addresses along the way and i can inform other people of the new venture that i'm that i'm going down and and that accumulates over time so for for me i'm not sure why it's not prioritized but it's it's like super important and i'm just surprised that it it doesn't get more mention it in social media influencing circles in terms of tips mm. to being an entrepreneur and and building a business i think it's the i think it's the cornerstone and backbone to be quite honest to to yeah. getting your business out there and letting people know and marketing maybe it's just that it's just not an attractive medium i guess for a lot of people they think oh i gotta send a newsletter i have to write something like i have yeah. to do this on repeat whereas instagram i can take cool pictures i mean i guess there are platforms like a Substack, which are sort of bringing it into the spotlight to say hey this is an attractive thing and there's some like celebrity writers that are here but we just we just we then just fall back into that okay you're on Substack." And you're there like you're not going to i think from the time well certainly from the time that you and i spoke because it was just last week hustle.co which is a, a yeah. very large newsletter got purchased by a company that's not too far from me right up here in boston uh, hubspot for yeah, HubSpot. whatever they said it was 20 million bucks yeah, or something huge. like that and you're not going to be able to take like a like a, a Substack audience and just peel that away and be like okay it's worth 20 million bucks it's you're yeah, not going to have it's on exactly. their platform right you're, you're not agile Right, so owning these things are are very important too. I totally agree with that. I mean, yeah, you're not going to be able to do that through Substack, as in get get acquired in in that way. So yeah, right. I totally understand that. We have now found ourselves full circle again of like ownership of like platforms and like <laughs> yes, building I, things I, with no yeah. code. We're we're living in a, in a in a difficult situation here. Any ideas on opening this up to to other content? assets like a podcast hint hint wink, wink <laughs> where these newsletters could tie in their podcasts and make that that yeah sale. i think the interesting thing with newsletters is that there's different types right so you've got the editorial the, the ones which are kind of sole products which sit normally through substack and, and things like that and then you've got the kind of newsletters which are an accompaniment with accompaniment from other kind of products like a, a blog for example there's there's tools like newsletter glue where you can take your blog and, and create it into a newsletter as well and easily distribute but i've the way i've seen it is that yes i would like to expand out i think that i think 
in terms of expanding out to different formats, podcasting, yeah, for sure. There's it's clear that there's 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 a big market, there's money, and there's there's kind of fluidity or liquidity in that market for sure. But equally as well, blogs. I think blogs had their their heyday a couple couple of years back. But equally, I think there's it's a it's a good um, accompaniment. People go to blogs, or sometimes newsletters were being pointed back to blogs in the past. Not so much now, but but I think that they we're kind of moving in a cycle where that could be something which happens again. So I do want to expand uh, Hecto out, but it's it's all about in, in good time and making sure that the platform itself works in the way that it needs to and then expand it out. So nothing yeah. before it's time, really. Hopefully you don't chase a new idea before that. Yeah, happens. exactly. Nothing before. Yeah, nothing. Nothing. You're the biggest. You're the biggest enemy right here. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. It's like my, my Google keep list. Where does the name Hecto come from? Ah, it's, yes. So with Hecto, so I took that name from hectograms. Essentially, hectograms were a way uh, to reproduce content, almost like creating posters or, or notices. Uh, you could reproduce content with with ink, essentially. So the way that I saw it, it was that it was a good good analogy for, for what we're doing with, with ads, right? You're kind of producing an ad and it's been redistributed in various newsletters. I've been received by multiple people and you're kind of reproducing that same ad for multiple people. And so taking hectogram, which is a technique to do that in the past and shorten it to hecto. And now that's, that's where I got it from. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Hecto.io. Reach your target market through trusted newsletters. Listen, I this is amazing. I'm glad that you said yes to do a podcast to some random weirdo on the internet who was like, I saw your tweet. You want to come on my podcast? (laughs) I think this is a fantastic product. I wish you all the best. Anyone who's listening, definitely check it out. Check out Bubble. Check out this no-code movement. Look, there are people building things with other tools and services other than WordPress. There's other things out there, everyone. <laughs> We're the weird ones. Not Check out hecto.io. Simon, where else can folks say thanks? Yeah, absolutely. You can catch me on Twitter, the Dudleyan, and uh, I'd happily receive you. And yeah, definitely follow me and check out hecto.io. Everybody else, it's MattReport.com, MattReport.com slash subscribe to join the mailing list. Someday I'll have the mailing list on Hecto when, I, when I'm ready to, to monetize it. Check out Hecto.io. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you in the next episode.